Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by Coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Good morning, West Georgia. We made it to Friday. Welcome into TM5 podcast for Friday, September 16th. Today's podcast is brought to you, as always, by the Parian Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey, life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Parian Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers catchy slogans a few billboards big results billy we made it it's friday september 16th it's time for the weekend today's food day is national guacamole day yeah i can't do it not a guacamole fan no i'm not i i just can't i don't know oh man i am a i am a massive massive guacamole fan i think my kids lived off of uh guacamole and refried beans like their first three years of existence uh it <laughs> a really really awesome homemade guacamole that i try to get her to make literally every single time we have people over i am a huge guacamole fan i could live off of probably just guacamole that doesn't surprise me knowing you yeah i'm a huge huge guacamole fan but bryce you got you forgot something poor k today's football friday dude it is We've reached another football Friday. You've, you've got to remember that. Every day is a football day. Monday's a football day. Tuesday and Wednesday aren't. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, now it's football season. Every single day is football day. There we go. We got to get something on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That's what we got. We got to fix those. Those are, the, those are the only two days that we don't have football days. Maybe those are fantasy football days. We get football days sometimes during the uh, the college football year. They, they have some footballs on on football games on Tuesdays and I'm not sure on Wednesdays, but yeah, definitely Tuesday. Yeah, those Tuesday. are like uh, what we, we usually get like ACC matchups or is the Big East even around? Like Big East teams, you know, somewhere around that. Sometimes we do get that, or like uh, sometimes like Division Two plays some good uh, Tuesday night games. I like yeah. those, man. It, it gets those smaller colleges that aren't on prime time a lot, like on the ESPN. I love games like that, like surprise games. You come home and you're like, ah, oh, hey, you got football on the TV. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Billy, the Braves started three-game series this weekend with the Phils tonight. Uh, Freed versus Suarez, 720. Tomorrow at 720 is Odorizzi at NOLA. And then Sunday at 135 is Strider at Falter. Anything you're looking at in particular from this series from the Braves? Uh, three dubs. That's what I'm looking at. Uh, we need three dubs desperately. We need to get three wins and completely take care of business and hopefully get closer in this um, in this division because we are not doing great right now. Uh, Mets won last night, so we are one and a half games back, I think. Uh, this says one. Okay, but, so yeah, ES- one but ESPN, to be fair, uh, ESPN for some reason in the morning... Dude, it doesn't always refresh for me. It is the weirdest thing because I've had standings that are not correct that I'm staring at on ESPN. So <laughs> it could be it could be one and a half, but this says one. No, that makes sense. 
that makes sense because Braves didn't play last night. The Mets did, so it shouldn't be a one and a half game. It should only be a half game. I mean, it's a half game. They didn't. We didn't both play yesterday, so it should only be a half game. And the Mets they, are taking on the Pirates. They have a. They started a four game set with the Pirates last night, and they have. Friday, Saturday, Sunday with the Pirates. So we need the Buckos to go on and get a couple wins. Uh, it, dude, it'd be so amazing. I mean, we only have one, two, three, four, five. We have six series left, and the next to last series is against the Mets. It'd be so awesome to go into that series, you know, either level or one up or one down or something with a chance to take the lead in the in the series uh, against the Mets. I love that we're finishing the season off with all division opponents. I think that is a, a fantastically smart move uh, by baseball. I think we should go into that series up like three games. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, want, I, want, I want it to matter. I want to be down a game. Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. I no, I don't want to be up three games. That's boring. I want I want it to, you know, I want I want somebody to be able to take the lead in that three game set. Give me down one, tied or up one. That's what I want. We'll see. We'll see how it puts out. <laughs> uh, Billy, Billy, this weekend, UGA takes on South Carolina. Uh, Georgia is a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, South Carolina plays hard. The scheme is a little odd on offense, but the Gamecocks are going to show up and give Georgia their best shot. Unfortunately, I don't think South Carolina's best shot is going to do anything against Georgia. Uh, say, really? <laughs> South Carolina's offensive line versus Georgia's defensive line is just a massive, massive mismatch. To be fair, though, UGA's line, defensive line against just about anybody's offensive line in the country is probably a mismatch. Uh, Spencer Rattler is going to be running for his life the entire game. UGA hasn't allowed a touchdown yet this year, and don't expect it to change this week versus South Carolina. South Carolina's offense is okay, but they're just not nearly talented enough uh, to pose a threat to UGA. They might score like a garbage time touchdown uh, to end UGA's kind of not allowing a touchdown streak to start the year. But I'd be pretty shocked if they scored a touchdown inside the first three and a half quarters, to be honest with you. Because Georgia's defense, man, it's it's really, really good. South Carolina, can, they can't run the ball. They're barely averaging above 50 rushing yards per game. And a one-dimensional offense versus UGA's defense this year is the absolute worst idea you could possibly have. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to beat the UGA defense with a nice, balanced offense. But when you are just a strict one-dimensional offense and you can't rush it more than about 50 yards per game, those ends are going to pin their ears back and absolutely destroy Spencer's Rat- Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Um, UGA on defense, man, this year, they could be better than last year's team. It, it's crazy how many people that they graduated last year off that defense, and it doesn't look like they have missed a single beat. Honestly, they could be better than last year's team. I'd be shocked if that happened because last year's defense – might have been the greatest of all time, uh, but they have all the pieces in place to achieve that goal. And UGA's offense so far is much, much better than last year's team. UGA's offense right now is averaging uh, over 400 yards passing per game and 41 points per game. Uh, I know they played Samford last week, but honestly, they put up more yards and more points against Oregon, who was a top 10 opponent when they played them in week one. Uh, so it's not like they have opened up with two cupcakes and they're just putting up massive numbers. They opened up with Oregon, who uh, was the favorite to win whatever goofy division they're playing in out west now. You think uh, that was a statement game for Jordan? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, I, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Oregon sucks. No, I think Oregon is still a good team. I, I still think Oregon is a legit top 10 team, and they could make the college football playoffs. But I just think UGA is that far away from Oregon. Now, at the end of the season, we'll see. But UGA game one was just that much better than another top 10 opponent, which is terrifying. Uh, Stetson Bennett is averaging 10 yards per pass and is in the top 15 in the NCAA in passing yards at 668 total yards. And he's eighth right now in all of college football with QBR with an 88.4. This kid has done nothing but come out and solidified him as the starter of the, of the Georgia Bulldogs at the quarterback position. And it's great to see because I was a Stetson Bennett uh, kind of defender last year. I was a big fan of the way he played and how he played on the road to a national championship. I defended him all offseason, and he's come out and done nothing but prove me right. Thank you, Stetson. Um, so I think he is the right man for that job, and I think they chose the right one over J- JT Daniels. UGA rolls tomorrow. I think they win handily. I don't know if they're going to cover that 24.5. That is a massive, massive number, but I don't think they'll be far off from the 24.5 cover, and it wouldn't shock me if they cover 24.5. Just massive numbers like that scare me. But UGA rolls, man. South Carolina is a gritty team, but the talent, man, it's just not there. The talent is not there for South Carolina right now. You know what? I'm going to say they cover. It's been like most, but, you know, you got to take my my picks with a grain of salt. But I, <laughs> I'm i what, one in five on the year? Um, hey, the year is young, baby. The year is young. But I, I truly think they cover. I mean, that's how much faith I have in Georgia's offense right now and Georgia's defense. Um, you know, how long they get through with without not giving up a touchdown is going to be key for, for what um, UGA can do. And I think Spencer rather may get knocked out of this game. That's, I mean, that's, exa- that's, that's exactly what I was thinking, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I, I think Spencer Rattler could go out before the second half. I mean, it's the, the offensive line for South Carolina is just doo-doo. It's tissue paper. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they covered, but, I, dude, I just I stay away from big spreads like that. They terrify me. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> Falcons-Rams on Sunday, Bryce. And, hey, let's uh, go. I'm not thrilled about this as a Falcons fan. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I know the Falcons put up a, a decent fight against the Saints and then just completely turned to uh, – typical Falcons uh, in the fourth quarter, but you know, what is it? Uh, the Rams did not look good either um, against the Bills. Now, however, that was the Buffalo Bills, so you, let's, let's think about this. It's sort of like um, Oregon against Georgia. Like, Oregon didn't look good against Georgia, but they were playing Georgia, who was the national championship favorite. Rams didn't look good against the Bills, but it was against the Bills, who are the Super Bowl favorite. Super Bowl favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Stafford looks lost, hurt, and unsure of himself on the offense. Not much run or help in the run game, and the Bills continuing to roll sort of made the Rams one-dimensional. Cup will get mate, get his, but if the defense for the Falcons can get to Stafford like they did Winston, they'll be in this game. You know, that's... I, I truly believe that. I mean, the defense was flying around the ball um, or around the quarterback on, on Sunday. Or last Sunday, and Winston for three quarters was completely shut down, and I, yeah, I loved I, every bit of it. I was pleasantly surpri- surprised by the way that the Falcons' defensive line and front seven 
got to Winston. I, that was sort of one of the things going into the season that we didn't know. I mean, they had four sacks in game one. You know, they're already like a quarter of the way to the total that they had all year last year. Uh, it'll be interesting yeah. to see if they can keep that up against a Rams offensive line that they, they did lose a couple people this offseason, but was one of the best offensive lines in football last year. Drake London and Kyle Pitts only catching two passes against the same, on the same side of the 50 can't happen again. Uh, neither had a single catch or target inside the red zone, and that is a massive issue. Uh, the Falcons use back-to-back top 10 picks on these fast catchers target them in crunch time. Like, let's let's get these guys the ball. I mean, let's show what they can do. And and that was that was an issue last year as well, right? Because I know Pitts didn't have a touchdown inside the USA last year. His one touchdown came when they played in London. I think that was sort of the same issue last year, right? That Pitts just wasn't yeah. targeted a lot in the red zone. Yeah. I don't understand that, man. That's like that's the easiest play call in football. Throw it, throw it to your best player. Like even if he's doubled, just throw it up and see if he can make a play. Speaking of our best player, Cordero Patterson's 25 touches for 125 yards needs to come down. Patterson, who will be a key piece all year long for the Falcons, needs to be placed on a pitch count, if at all possible. You can't have him completely busted up by week 10. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I use the word pitch count correct here, but it, you, you just don't want him to have that many touches, man. 25 to 30 touches is just too much for a guy that is who, who's going to be kind of your main engine, you know. Uh, I mean, and Patterson's 31. Like, it's not like he's a 23-year-old bright-eyed rookie coming in here with as much energy as you can possibly have. He's a 31-year-old guy. I don't know. Just use him sparingly. I just don't run him into the ground, and then week, you get week 7 or week 10, and he's just insignificant. He just can't add anything to the offense. Uh, Mariota looked a lot better than we thought he would in week 1. His legs kept a lot of plays alive and made the Falcons look a lot more dangerous on offense than it has in the past. Um, also give credit to the offensive line who did a much better job of keeping uh, Mariota alive, which is, I was very, very happy with. A lot of positives. I know the Saints game sucked, and I know I know the Falcons lost, and I know the way they lost really sucked, but there was a lot of positives to take away from last week's game. But Sunday, we've got to keep finish the game. Uh, you know, we've got to finish the drill here in um, so that's that's our biggest takeaway for, for this week. So that's what I'm looking at. All right, Bryce, let me get to the Marine South School Board. A lot of green uh, again today, baby. Yeah, it is. Uh, in softball, Bowden beat Tryon last night 8-2. to two. Gabby Stonecipher went the distance in the circle, giving up just three hits and tallying three strikeouts. Sydney Blowen went deep over left center wall while going two for four on the night, driving in three. RBIs also came from Allie Bowen, Caroline Huggins, Gabby Stonefire, uh, Stonecipher, and Mary Ellen Thompson. So congrats to the Red Devilettes who are getting hot at the right time. Uh, Freeman beat Lafayette for nothing. Uh, Ansley Agen uh, went two for two, including a solo shot. Central beat Southeast Whitfield 16 to nothing. Uh, yeah, you want to talk about a quick game? I saw them leaving, like the um, the bus for Southeast Whitfield leaving in the middle of our game, which ended up uh, with a running clock. Ooh, oh man, that's a quick night for the Central <laughs> softball team. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Carrollton at Hart County looked like it was canceled. Mount Zion at Christian Heritage, we can't find a church at Mount Zion Head Temple. I want to say. I want to say I saw that. Um, so that may be why we couldn't find anything on there. Um, for Temple or Mount Zion. I'm pretty sure I saw that on Facebook today, Bryce. Was Mount Zion play Temple? Uh, I'll have to look and see, yeah. Harold's County beat Murray County 12 to 9. 10 runs in the seventh inning. Huge, huge win for Harrelson County. And then Billerica beat Banneker 15 to nothing. Billerica continues to dominate right now, which they they should. They're a really good team. That that team's gonna go into the playoffs and and be dangerous. Volleyball, Carrollton fell to Stars Mill and Eagles Landing 2-1 and 2-0. Central at East Paulding, we couldn't find score. Hurt County lost to Pike County 3-0 in Billerica versus McEachern. Uh, we also could not find a score. On the Stumpet Games and Events calendar tonight, let's go with Bremen at Gordon Lee at 7.30. Jenkins at Carrollton at 7.30. Northgate at Central at 7.30. Upson Lee at Harrelson County at 7.30. No, that's Harrelson County at Upson Lee, I believe. I'm, I think I messed that up. I yes, think I, I think you the- are correct. Yeah, I think Harrelson County goes to Upson Lee. Raven County comes down to Franklin uh, in Hurt County, and that's at 7.30. Mount Zion at Brookstone at 7.30. Our kickoff show will be at Pepperell Temple tonight. And Bryce and Steve Lee will also be there calling that game. And then Prize Cities at Villarica, who's also Villarica's um, homecoming game, will be tonight at 7.30. Casey Bass, Clay Harden will be on the call on the Villarica Wildcat Network. On Saturday, volleyball, Carrollton at Rally Volleyball Tournament at Lake Point. And then uh, Atlanta United has Philadelphia Union. And if I'm not mistaken, Bryce, West Georgia has a football game on Saturday as well. Uh, yeah, they might. Getting West Georgia on the calendar. Yeah, West Georgia plays sports, and uh, some of them will be happening on the weekend. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Billy, you need some soft earned dollars this weekend? You know it, buddy. Let's get to it, man. Let's go ahead and get uh, to our locks of the week. This week, uh, I am three and three now, went two and one, week one, one and two last week. So my three locks for this week give me Browns. They're a six and a half favorite over the Jets. The Jets are absolutely horrendous right now. The Browns should easily cover that six and a half point gap. Dolphins at Ravens. Give me both teams to score a touchdown in the first and second half. Right now, that bet is paying off at a plus 190. So uh, the Dolphins and Ravens both scoring a tud in the first half and the second half. And then in college football on Saturday, Iowa versus Nevada. The over-under is 38.5. Give me the under right there. Iowa has scored a total of like 17 points in both their opening games. Nevada is also not very good. I wouldn't be surprised if Nevada beat Iowa, but the 38 and a half for me is a little too high. I see this game ending somewhere around 32-35. So give me the under on 38 and a half on the Iowa-Nevada game. All right. So my loss of the week, Akron is going to Tennessee, and they've got a 47 uh, and a half point dog. They're a 47 and a half point dog. I'm picking Akron. I'm not taking Akron winning. I'm just saying I think they cover that 47 and a half. 
Um, I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to cover that massive spread that we just talked about. With, with, with that's, that's a huge spread. Jeez. Yeah, for Akron, that's just that's not doable. No. Um, USC is a 12 and a half point favorite. I'm taking USC and the points. Give, give them to me. I, I want all of that. I think USC covers that easily against Fresno State. And then on Sunday, Colts versus Jags. Colts are a three and a half point uh, favorite. I'm taking the Colts. I think the Colts cover that easily as well. A couple more bets that I'm rolling on this week. Not locks of the week, but something just kind of staying on my radar. Pats at Steelers. The over-under right now is 40 and a half. I'm going to go ahead and hammer the under on that game. Lions, they're hosting the Commanders. First time the Lions have ever been favorites in 25 games. They haven't been a favorite in the NFL in 25 games. They're a point favorite. Give me the Lions. It's essentially a pick em, But give me the Lions as a one-point favorite. Colts are three and a half favorites over the Jaguars on the road. I think the Colts bounce back and get a win here after their tie in week one. Give me the Colts as three-and-a-half-point favorites. And then in college football, BYU is a three-and-a-half dog versus Oregon. Guys, I told you Oregon is a legit team. I think Oregon comes out. I think they cover the three-and-a-half. Oregon is ranked 25. BYU is ranked 12. Give me Oregon at a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And then Arkansas, just give me the pick em money line on Arkansas. They're probably like a minus 800 on the pick em money line. I'm a huge fan of Arkansas right now. Arkansas is playing Missouri State. Uh, if we can get any prop bets on Jefferson over under uh, passing yards, I'll take the over on that. But give me just the money line for Arkansas this weekend against Missouri State. Okay. Billy, uh, need another cup of coffee this morning? Well, man, I, I need a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hit up another cup of coffee brought to you by realtor Hannah Strawn with Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. Roger Federer announced his retirement yesterday and will play in the Laver Cup as his final event. One of the GOATs retiring after this season. He is a phenomenal player and he was always fun to watch, actually. So So we're we're, we're now now losing Roger Federer this year, Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's Tom Brady's last year and possibly Aaron Rodgers last year. So yeah. a lot of goats retiring, man. A lot of, a lot of goats leaving the sport. Uh, Phoenix Sun minority owner John Najafi calls for Robert Sarver's resignation. And I don't blame him. I said this yesterday, man. I, uh, th- you know, this cannot stand, you know, this type of aggression cannot stand, man. Like yep. you can't, you can't have a boss say this type of stuff and be in charge of what he's in charge of. Like, I, I back any anybody who wants to call for his resignation or say it's unacceptable for this type of behavior to be from an owner of the NBA, hey, I'm behind you 100%. I agree. This should not, you should not be involved in a sport like this or anything, be a, be a big boss like this, and say the stuff you did. Like, you can't do that. You just, you can't do that. I agree, 100%. Get out of there. Get out of there. Uh, Seattle Seahawks star safety Jamal Adams is expected to miss the rest of the NFL season. Massive he's blow a to a Seattle Seahawks team. team. Yeah, he's yeah. a big, Jamal big Adams loss. Jamal Adams is a stud, and I loved watching him play uh, defensive back, so it's that sucks for them. It sucks because they're also coming off a one, you know, they're, they're 1-0 right now, coming off a victory against the Broncos. So big loss for Seattle. We'll see if they can replace them. 
Uh, Phil Mickelson is considering removing his name from the federal antitrust lawsuit against the PGA Tour. Oh, shut up. I'm so tired of this. <laughs> Jesus. Dude, this is like a daytime uh, soap opera watching the LIV tour versus the PGA tour. It's really what it is. It's like a it's, it's like a um, uh, reality show, you know? <laughs> just just go play golf. Shut up. No, they can't no. do that. They have they have to get their egos and their names out there in the no. newspapers, man. I'm so dumb with it. <laughs> uh, game of the week. We gave the game of the week last night for the NFL, and it did not disappoint. Twenty-seven to twenty-four, the Chiefs roll in an amazing. Listen, can we can we take a second and talk about how amazing Thursday night football was last night? It really was, and I don't. I know that you were watching the alternate broadcast with the, all the stats and and where they were highlighting the players and stuff which was phenomenal. I started watching a little bit of the Dude Perfect uh, alternate broadcast, and for those of us that are fans of Dude Perfect, it was entertaining as well, too. So they're doing something right over in Amazon, and I can't wait to continue to watching on Thursday nights. And those the Dude Perfect guys, they're like YouTube people, right? Yeah, they're the ones that make the trick shots videos. Okay, okay yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, dude, the analytics stream... Holy crap! So yeah, good. You were. <laughs> so, oh man! Oh, just amazing. The great this that was the single greatest broadcast of NFL football I have ever watched. And I, I think Billy, I know you know this, and I think most of the people that listen to the podcast know this. I'm not a fan of announcers. I don't like announcers. When I watch football, nine times out of ten, I mute the announcers in the TV or wherever I'm watching it. I just don't like them. I don't want to hear their opinion on the football game. I don't care. Last night, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, fire. Absolutely phenomenal pairing of announcers. I listened to that game the entire way through with the announcers on, which is a big deal for me. Uh, yeah, that, pair, that pairing was an absolute grand slam last night. Yeah, so let's get to the games of the week for the high school and the college game of the week. What you got? Uh, for high school, I got Mount Zion at Brookstone. Mount Zion is 3-0, and one of the top-scoring teams in their division in the entire state, and they're going to Brookstone, and I believe they're a 17-point dog in they the are. game tonight. Yep. Um, so massive, massive game for Mount Zion. Uh, Brookstone, a good team. This will be interesting. This is my high school game of the week for the uh, for the teams we cover around in our area. Uh, and then in college, my game of the week, I had a little tough time going back and forth between the game I picked uh, and the game I didn't pick. So the game I didn't pick was BYU-Oregon. I think that is going to be a very, very good game. Also on my radar was Oklahoma-Nebraska, just because I want to kind of see what Nebraska has after Scott Frost got fired. But I ended up picking Texas A&M versus Miami. A&M coming off of a super embarrassing loss last week. Miami looks to be a legit contender in the ACC. We're going to see if Texas A&M is going to lose two games in a row after being picked by some to win the West uh, in the SEC uh, and see if Miami can can keep rolling or if Texas A&M can right the track and get back on their winning ways. I'm going to go with Temple and Pepperell tonight. I think uh, that game will be phenomenal. I really think those are two evenly matched teams, honestly. And I'd love to see what Temple can put up against Pepperell. You know, so far this year, it's been... Um, you know, Cam Vaughn has a monster game and then they get a loss and then they have a monster game and get a loss or, you know, you know what I mean? So 
they had a loss last time. So let's see what Cambodge can have a monster game tonight, and, and hopefully it's against uh, Pepperell Dragons team. Uh, the NCAA game of the week. I'm going to take Penn State at Auburn. That's a good one, too. Good pick. I, I'm excited about that one. I, you know, last week we were – I was talking about it, man. It's College football is back, and it's it's so nice to be able to flip through your channels and go, oh, my God, here's another good one. Oh, my God, here's another good one. <laughs> have so, Have you watched any Penn State games this year? I haven't. No. I haven't been able to catch any Penn State games yet this year. No, uh, what What time is that game? Am I going to get to watch that one? Uh, that is three thirty on Saturday. Uh, I might be able to catch the end of it. I think Braxton has a game at three, so yeah, I'll catch the end of it. I'm I'm excited. That's a good one. That's that's two storied programs, and they're both you know third or fourth fiddle in their own conference. So that should be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. That should be a good one. Uh, and today in 1995, Greg Maddox, one of the greatest of all time, sets a Braves record of 17 consecutive road victories. 17 consecutive road victories. That is absolutely nuts. He was the greatest pitcher I ever saw live. You Honestly. know what? I don't know if I ever saw Greg Maddox live. He's the greatest pitcher I ever saw live. And the funny thing is, is I saw him a lot when he was with us. The last time I saw him was he was pitching against us with uh, the Padres and Smoltz was on the mound for the Braves. And that <laughs> game was phenomenal. It was always good when Smoltz faced either Maddox or uh, Glav when they were on the other teams. I, I remember when Glav came in when he went to the Mets and him and Smoltz were pitching against each other and Smoltz pitching to Glav back when baseball was baseball and we didn't have a DH was absolutely hilarious because there was a massive grin on both Smoltz and Glav's face. And I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I think the first time that Glav went up and hit against Smoltz after Glav went to the Mets, I think Glav got like a little bloop single to right field or just something goofy. Uh, and he got on base and Glav had the biggest grin jogging to first base. And I'm like, you know, he is going to hold that over Smoltzy the rest of their lives. That, And I think I've told this before, but that, that game with uh, Smoltz versus Maddox, you know, Maddox gets this huge standing ovation from, from like 30,000 fans at Turner Field that game. When he goes up to the plate, he steps out of the box, you know, tips his cap, all that kind of jazz. And then Smoltzy grooves like a 95-mile-an-hour fastball or a 90-mile-an-hour fastball over the heart of the plate, which Maddox rips into right field for a base hit, and like 37,000 fans start booing him instantly. <laughs> <laughs> it was the greatest. It was just, well, you know, welcome back to Atlanta moment. It was, it was really funny. The one thing uh, Glav and Smoltz and Maddox all taught me when I was a little kid, it's something that I've remembered my entire life, the one most important rule they've all, ever taught me about baseball is chicks dig the long ball so that is yeah, that is that has always stuck with me you got anything else to add today man no man i'm good let's get out of here on a friday for billy lindahl i am bryce sparling we'll be back same time same place next week shake your neighbors just shake them shake your neighbors <laughs>